This is the Personal Profitability Podcast with Eric Rosenberg. there, Profiteers. Welcome back for episode number 119 of the Personal Profitability Podcast. As always, I am your host, Eric Rosenberg, and this week, we're going to do something a little special. You might have noticed that we missed last week. It was Rosh Hashanah, so I took the week off. And this episode is going to go live on Yom Kippur, which is the holiest day of the year for the Jewish people. And if you couldn't guess it by my last name, yes, I am Jewish, and I will be celebrating on Yom Kippur. I'll be taking the day off of work and I'll be fasting. It's a major holiday, but it's also a time of the year for Jewish reflection, where we look back at the last year and what we've gone through. We apologize to anyone we might have offended, and we try to get in a position to make the new year the best possible year. And the Jewish New Year was actually 10 days ago on Rosh Hashanah. So this is our big holy time, our big time of reflection. And I was reflecting back to where this whole thing started. You know, we're on episode 190. 19 now, but like everything, it always started with number one. So today we want to go back and check out that first episode if you've never listened to it. It's going to be up in just a moment, but digitally remastered and improved by my awesome editor, Jennifer. I didn't have quite nice of a microphone, but I will have better editing this time around. So I hope you enjoy this. We're going to go back into the past. You might see that my podcast and my speaking skills have gotten a little bit better over the last few years. I hope they have, but it's important to stay humble and remember your roots and where you started. So we're going to go back and listen to episode number one again right now on the Personal Profitability Podcast. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the very first edition of the Personal Profitability Podcast. My name is Eric Rosenberg, and I'm your host in this journey to personal profitability. There's so much ahead. I'm so excited to get started. I've had this idea to start this podcast for many months now, and um, today is day one. So welcome to the journey. Uh, Before we get started, I just wanted to tell you a little bit about myself and the background. So first off, we're coming to you live. I'm recording this myself at Narrow Bridge Media Studios. Today, we're in the downstairs studios, which means we're we're in my uh, dining room. So I wanted to find a a nice quiet place I could talk to you. We could just have some one-on-one time. But I wanted to bring up that I'm recording it at home because personal finance starts at the home. It's something that's very personal to all of us. That's why it's called personal finance and not just finance. When you're working through all this stuff, remember, it's about your family, it's about your home, and it's about living a better life. It really means a lot to me that each and every one of you are here. You know, I see all the stats. I know how many people are listening. I'm doing this for all of you. It's not for my for my own health, though. Uh, it does stroke my own ego a little, which I enjoy. But I couldn't really do this without any of you. My, uh, my finance blog, Narrowbridge Finance, has been around now for six years. And I couldn't have done that without all of the readers and all the great friends that I've developed along the way. One of the only things that I ask of you for me when you uh, when you listen to this podcast and experience it all is please share it with a friend if you enjoy it or uh, go on to your favorite rating site, whether that's, um, you know, if you listen to this through iTunes or Stitcher or anywhere else, if you have the opportunity to give me a good rating, please do. And again, please share it with a friend. It only takes a minute, but it means the world to me. And that's the only advertising I have. So, um, uh, but it's the best kind because because it comes from you guys and, and you're, uh, as my friends and fans and best supporters, the, they're the ones that I care about the most. So one thing that 
I want to encourage all of you to do, if you are able, you know, if you're listening to this at work or in the car, this is not possible, but I think personal finance should be fun. It's something that should be relaxing. And to me, those things are synonymous with beer. So every single one of these episodes, whether I'm interviewing someone or doing it myself, I'm going to make an effort to have a beer. So today I wanted to share that I'm having a Ninkasi Brewing Company Total Domination India Pale Ale. That's a a local beer made here in Oregon. It's made in Eugene, about two hours south of where I'm sitting right now in my living room or my dining room in uh, Portland. So here's a uh, cheers. I'm going to have a gulp here. If you are at home and able, this is your moment to pause you know, go to your kitchen, grab your favorite beer, and uh, and join me in a toast. Ah, that's good. It's really good. So anyway, um, now that you're having your drink, let's uh, let's dive in and, and hear about what this podcast is really going to be all about and why it's worth your time. When I came up with the idea of the uh, personal profitability project and personal profitability, it's kind of the synthesis of years. As I said, I've been doing this online writing thing about finance for for more than six years now. And it's the synthesis of all of the ideas that I've evolved with over time. So when I started writing, it was at a time when online banking was a pretty new thing to a lot of people. So my older posts were all about getting into financial automation and making things easy for you because a lot of people had no idea you could even you know do your banking online, uh, let alone come to where we have today where you can just you know pull out your phone and snap a picture of a check and it's deposited in the bank. So we've come a long way in that. And as I've evolved over time, so has my writing. You know, I've gone through different relationships. Now I'm married, have have two dogs, you know, on my way to the American dream. I have bought a condo and and sold it. So I've I've been a homeowner. I have moved across the country. I, I quit a job that was comfortable and I enjoyed in, in the Denver area and moved halfway across the country here to Portland. You know, so I've gone through all of these life experiences, and I've thought, you know, what is the whole point of all this? What's the whole point of spending time thinking about your money and your finances all the time? And you know, it can be looked to a lot of people just like it's a time suck, like it's taking away energy that you could do you know, fun things like playing Xbox or you know, football in the backyard with your friends or hanging out with your kids or riding your bike to your favorite brewery, whatever you like to do. Why would you spend your valuable time, which is a limited resource on your finances. And I find that if you actually spend the time up front, you will spend less time now to, um, or you spend more time now to spend less time later. So you'll enjoy your finances and your whole life a lot more if you plan and you think out your finances from the beginning. That's a lot about what personal profitability is about. It's about making that effort now so you can have a great financial life in the long term and you reach every goal you want. So I have put together some pillars of personal profitability. That's a lot of P's right there. Um, But on the Personal Profitability Podcast, you can't expect any less than that. So the pillars of personal profitability that I've put together are just kind of the the guideposts that we will use on our journey to live a better life through our money rather than let our money hold us back from living the life that we want. So the first pillar is one that it's kind of easy to get negative about, and you hear about it a lot from lots of different you know, finance experts and people who talk about this, but it's spending less. And a lot of people think, you know, budgeting and saving and, you know, going and it means all this like bad stuff that you can't have what you want in life. And I think that is totally the wrong approach to think about budgeting and spending less. So when I spend less, I think about it as something I do every day, not 
making decisions on purchases. And of course, yeah, you know, I could go blow money really quickly and easily on new computers and tech gadgets and things that I like. Or, you know, some people might be into shoes and purses and accessorizing. Uh, I looked at some cufflinks that I thought were pretty cool at Nordstrom, but then I looked them over and said, oh, 200 bucks. And I, I don't really need $200 cufflinks that I probably wouldn't really wear all that often. But that, that's a piece of this puzzle. And what it's all about is spending only on things that you value and things that you love. So I'll get into that a little more in a few minutes. The next piece of the pillars of personal profitability is uh, earning more. You, know, you, could, you can always try to save and spend less and spend less and spend less, but eventually you can't spend less anymore. There's a limit to how much you can cut your spending, but your earning potential is unlimited. You know, there's no limit in how much money you can bring in and earn if you work hard and do great in your job. Next pillar is growing your wealth. While we're you know, spending less and earning more, we have to do something with this money that we're hopefully saving up. You know, the, the key to, to not being in debt, they always say, is uh, spend less than you earn. So as you do that, though, you build up wealth and assets, and we need to figure out what to do with that wealth and those assets so they grow over time and can eventually sustain our life and uh, an idea that's commonly called financial independence. And the last pillar is living better. I mean, that's the whole reason we're doing all of this. It's not for our health. I mean, there are healthy things to not being stressed about money, but really we want to live a better life and do whatever we want to do. You know, for me, living a better life means having a great relationship with my wife and hopefully kids in the future. It means traveling the world. It means having the time and resources to do the things that I want to do, which are more experience-based than material-based. So for me, it's, you know, weekends away and traveling and seeing the world and spending time with family and friends that for me is living better. Some people aren't into travel. They don't want to leave their comfortable home and area. And there's other things that they care about, make their life better. So whatever makes your life better, that's really what this is all about. And that's why we're here. So for the next few minutes, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grab another gulp of my beer. Then we're going to talk a little bit about each of these four pillars and some more depth. So here's another cheers to, uh, to my IPA and whatever you may be drinking. Ah, IPA is still really, really good. Um, yeah. So next step, um, we're going to talk more about spending mindfully. So I, I scratched the surface on this for a For a moment there, I got a little farther ahead of myself than probably should have for an intro. Now I want to get in the details on spending mindfully. The first thing you should do when you spend mindfully and try to spend less is cut spending on the things you don't really care about in life. You know, it's really, really easy to go out and blow a ton of money. That's the whole way the, the retailers and the merchandisers of the world work is to make it easy for us to spend money. We are inundated with advertisements all the time. There's new ways to pay for things. You know, Apple Pay and things are coming out that make it so you don't even need to use cash or a credit card. You can just tap your phone on the uh, counter, which is pretty cool. I've done it myself with, uh, with, with my Android phone using Google Wallet. But you know, they're making it easier and easier and easier to spend money. So we want to spend mindfully and not just waste money because it's easy to do so. So for me, one of the first big steps that I took to spend mindfully was about four years ago, and I was living as a uh, single bachelor in my old apartment in Denver. I cut my cable, which I know a lot of people think, how could you live without cable? And 
football games and basketball games. That's, those the sport fans are the ones who are always the most baffled that I would cut cable. Um, but you know, honestly, it, it saved me seventy dollars a month on something that was really just a time suck of my life. You know, I sat there and would zone out after work in front of the TV, and I would pay Comcast seventy dollars every month. So I could just sit there and zone out and be stupid in front of my TV. And I thought, you know what? For me, watching TV is no longer a priority. It's not something I want to spend my money or really even my time doing. So I cut the cable and that $70 a month adds up. You know, it's um, about 800 and something dollars a year that you are saving if you spend what I spent on just what was kind of the uh, expanded basic cable package. And when I cut that, not only did it save me this, you know, $800 a year, which I could use for savings in my emergency fund or towards a new car or $800, that's, depending on where you live, that could be a flight to another country or another part of this country easily. So you know, $800, that's, that's a weekend away or two weekends away. Now, that's, that's life experiences that I couldn't necessarily have had had I had TV. And I care more about those experiences than I care about the TV but I also found that when I didn't have TV, I started going out and being social more with people. And that's how I, that's how I met my wife. That's how I've gotten to know so many of my friends is by going out to, you know, happy hours and events and meetups and networking things. And I think all that stuff's kind of fun. So cutting my TV was a way to do that. And I saved, you know, $800 a year. But, you know, so again, some people, if you are a huge sports fan and don't want to miss a Broncos game ever because, they're the best football team in the NFL, and they're going to win the Super Bowl this year. You know, I respect all my friends who are uh, are big Broncos fans and want to watch that happen. And if you're a fan of another team, I'm, I'm sorry, this year is not going to be your year, depending on when you're listening to this. So, um, but yeah, there are people, I have good friends, who would never, ever give up their TV. And I respect them for that, though that's not the right choice for me. But I challenge them, or if you're one of those people who could never think of giving up your TV, that's totally fine. But I challenge you, what can you give up in your life that you spend your money on? Think about that for a second. Let it set in. What could you give up that you spend money on recurring every month of your life? Now, you know, one thing that's easy to pick on is Starbucks. Um, you know, there's, there's one of the first finance books I ever read. One of the ones that actually started getting me into personal finance was The uh, Automatic Millionaire by David Bach. And through that book, he talks about what he calls the latte factor, where he picks on people who go to Starbucks all the time. Now, you know, I'm not going to pick on you if you go to Starbucks all the time. I, I enjoy the, uh, depending on the season, like right now it's the fall, and I, I really do enjoy a salted caramel mocha as much as the next guy, or maybe a pumpkin spice latte. But I'm not going there all the time. And I know people who go to Starbucks you know, five times a week or even more. If you get a $4 coffee, let's say each time you go into Starbucks and you go five days a week, that's... $20 a week. That adds up to $80 a month. That is 800 and something dollars a year. That is about as much as cable TV. So, whoa, if you think about it, what do you care more about? Do you care more about going to Starbucks every day or do you care about watching TV? Because those pretty much have an offsetting cost. Or what if you could cut both of those out and all of a sudden you have $1,600 a year? That's enough for uh, quite a chunk of change to go into a savings or retirement account or maybe even a round-trip flight to Europe. Take that in for a second. If you cut your cable and your Starbucks, and you're a heavy user of both, you can all of a sudden take a trip to Europe, or Asia, or wherever else you want to go in the world. I mean, that's pretty incredible if you think about it. 
But even better, if you save that money rather than spend it, you'll have um, you know, more money for later on. So remember, don't spend money based on what other people think. Don't spend based on what I think. You know, It's not my job to judge you for watching TV or going to Starbucks or spending a ton of money going to Vegas a few times a year. You know, It's your money. Do what you want with it. But if you don't find value in something, then don't spend the money on it. You know, think it's, it's all about what you care about and your money should go to what you care about. And yeah, you can never cut your you know, water and power bills. You can never live without either rent or a mortgage of some type unless you're, I don't know, some kind of freeloader living in your parents' basement or at a friend's house or a sibling or whatnot. But generally, we have certain expenses we will always have to have. But other than that, everything's discretionary. And there are ways to save even if it's on things like food, you can, you know, go to the grocery store instead of going to restaurants all the time or cut back a little bit. You know, if you cut back a little on coffee and a little on restaurants and a little on a few other places, all of a sudden there's another $800 a year. Um, so you don't necessarily have to eliminate things that you enjoy. But if you cut back on some things, you have more money for things you will enjoy more. So that is my stick on spending mindfully. Time for another uh, another cheers to saving more and budgeting better for the long run. So next I want to talk to you about earning more. Now this is something that a lot of people really struggle with and don't think is an option for them to earn more money, but you really, really can. So let's start with the root of this about your, you know, I call it with my air quotes at my day job or my primary job, the place that I go spend nine or more hours every day, five days a week to bring home the bulk of my paycheck. And a lot of people think, you know, they have their job, they get their hourly rate or their annual rate, and they just have to live with what they make. And that's just how it works. You know, that's how it's worked for a long time. Your boss chooses how much money you make, and that is how much money you make. But that is 100% not true. And I can uh, tell you my own stories about how I um, gotten many raises and make as much as I make today. And that does come back to you and your choices. So at this point in your life, I'm assuming you're out of high school, probably even out of college. You can't go back in time and change your major or your grades. You can't go back if you uh, messed around a lot in high school and got a 2-0. And that, you know, that does impact your life for a long time. You can't go back and fix that. But you can fix things going forward in your education. So for me, when I, um, I finished my undergrad, I got a finance degree. I worked for about a year before I went back to school and got an MBA. And uh, I know other people who've gone back to get MBAs, some people right after college, some people well into their career. But for me, that was a huge benefit to how much I make. And actually, from the time that I started my first job out of school to now, I've about doubled my annual pay I'm not talking doubling from like 20000 to 40000 I had a finance degree, so I did okay out of school, but I've doubled almost exactly how much I made when I started out of school just seven years ago to what I'm making today. And, you know, that's a pretty dramatic increase. And if you can think about what that will mean for me over the course of my career, which I'm still a pretty young guy, I'm just about 30. So if I have... Uh, cut it down to, let's say, 20 more working years. Let's say I want to retire at 50. Over that next 20 years, I will make twice as much money as I would have made had I not gotten all of these raises. You know, some of those raises I may have been able to get on my own merits, but 
I really think that a huge factor was that MBA. You know, it cost me an arm and a leg. It was a $90,000 private school degree. That was the estimated cost of the year and a half I had there. But if I look and say how I doubled my pay, I know exactly how fast that degree pays off. And the rest is just profit to me, to my, to my own personal business of Eric Rosenberg. So that's all money in my pocket that I get to save and earn and have for my family and my future. Now, depending on how you do that and how you save, let's say you double your pay and you stick with that first pillar and spend mindfully and don't let your expenses rise very much, all of a sudden you can save half of your income. If you can save half of your income, and you, let's say it was going to take you 30 years to retire at your current income, but now you can save half. You just cut that time in half. You can retire in 15 years if you save that half of your income. That's a pretty dramatic change in, in your lifestyle. And for me, that happened from education. Now, you know, not everybody wants to sit in a cubicle or office doing finance all day. I totally get that. That is a pretty small portion of the population that I ended up in. But whatever you do or whatever you're passionate about, you can get your own you know, personal MBA that will make you qualified to advance in that career path. So let's say you are an a entry-level um, computer programmer and you do some you know, basic uh, HTML and PHP type work for, for some web developers and you want to really take it to the next level, you can go get that master's degree in computer science. All of a sudden you are helping build the coding languages that the internet is built on. You could then go, instead of working for a, a small company's website, you can start working for companies like Google or Facebook or Oracle or you know, any of those big tech powerhouse companies, and they will pay you a hell of a lot more than a uh, smaller, medium-sized company will to run their website or whatever. So you know, they're, they're for engineering, there's a place to move up. If you have really any kind of job, there, there's always the boss or the manager or the person who is ahead of everyone else. And they didn't get there on accident. They got there through hard work and being smart about their job. And with your job being your primary source of income, I urge you to look at that first as a way to earn more money. So now that we've talked, and we'll talk more about that later on too. I'm going to bring on some friends and uh, people I know for interviews later who've gotten big promotions and moved up in their career because I know it sounds easy for me to talk about it because I've done it. And you can listen to this and say, well, yeah, but that's just you because you're special. I want to show you that I'm not special. Every single person has the ability to work hard to improve their career. Everybody, without almost any exception. Think about that over the next little bit about how you can maybe improve your education or your skills or take a class or just you know do better at your job every day. You're sitting there for you know, eight, nine, ten hours a day. You know, do do good work when you're there, and you'll be the first one to be promoted. Not the last one on the list. So the next place to earn more is to earn more on the side. Now, this is something that a lot of people have never even thought about as an option. And I hadn't up until just, I don't know, I guess six years ago, I started this vlog. Seven years ago, I started making money online for the first time. We all work our, our primary jobs. That's kind of the American dream, the thing that we are supposed to do. You know, we work, you know, you go to school and if you do well, you go to college and if you do well, you get a good job and if you do well, you get promoted and so on. No one ever um, really talks about the making money outside of your day job. People think you either have to be a full-time worker working for a big company or a full-time 
small business owner or entrepreneur where you work for yourself, but you know, there's those huge risks and costs of doing that. You could lose everything. So kind of the, the new third route is to you know work on your, your own side businesses and your side income streams. So the, the easiest way to think about this that you can think about making your first couple of dollars on the side, you know, this isn't sustainable forever, but look around your home and see if you have any stuff that you haven't used in more than a year. You know, look in your garage, your closet, that junk drawer, your desk, um, anywhere in your house. If you have something you haven't used in more than a year, you probably don't really need it anymore. And it's probably just taking up extra space in your home. Why not sell it? You know, there's value in everything. And there's a reason you bought it or someone bought it for you in the beginning. Nothing was free. Think about selling it. You can sell things on either eBay or Craigslist to make a few bucks. I've actually done that a few times myself. I've sold, actually, I couldn't tell you how many like furniture items and things, especially when I moved in with my now wife. We, we got rid of a lot of stuff. We sold all that stuff. We didn't just like give it away because you know, there was value. And each of those sales, whether it was $10 or $200, that added up to thousands of dollars of stuff that we sold. And that's thousands of dollars that we didn't have before. So you know, look around your house, you know, you can, you can pick up your beer and take it with you or your glass of wine or your scotch, whatever you're enjoying with me, walk around your house and look and see the things that you might be able to sell. Maybe it's a little piece of artwork or figurine that someone gave you that you don't really care about. You know, maybe it's uh, old sporting equipment. You know, there's, there's tons of stuff that you have that has a ton of value. And the uh, first and best place to sell is usually Craigslist because uh, there's no shipping costs and someone local, they'll just come to you or you can you meet them at a local store, a bank, I don't know, wherever, wherever it makes sense to you. You can meet them there and sell it. There's no shipping costs, no transaction fees. They give you cash, it's done, it's over, and you have the money. eBay is another option that's best usually for more um, like collectibles or hobby type items that uh, there might not be a ton of people in your hometown that want, but around the country and around the world there are. And there, there's a ton of value in that. You know, there's some fees and costs for like shipping and credit card processing transactions and the listing fee from eBay itself. But there's still a lot of money to be made potentially. So first, just start with that and think about ways that you can turn your junk into cash. Yeah, there's money in your pocket. So next, think about starting a more sustainable business that you could grow on its own organically. So for me, that was blogging and writing, which you know, now I've been doing, as I said, for my, my first blog actually started in around 2006, so uh, it's been about eight years since I started my very first blog. My, my main money makers I've had for about six years, but how that worked for me, you know, it started out just as a blog that I was so excited to make, you know, a couple hundred bucks, maybe even a couple thousand bucks a year. I remember the, uh, the very first time that I made enough money on my blog in a month that I could pay for my beer tab for a month, which... You know, I was in my mid-20s. I spent a lot of time downtown at the bars with my friends. I was like, holy crap, I'm making like 200 bucks a month. That covers all the costs of my beer and, and a little more. So that's like blew my mind. And then uh, it wasn't too much farther down the road. I realized for the first time that I made enough money online in a month to pay for my mortgage for a month. I was like, whoa, you know, that's, that was some, a serious chunk of change. And that wasn't just like a couple hundred bucks. And that all started from me picking a hobby that I knew I could make money on and build on that. And that's actually grown to this point where I'm, I'm making more, um, not from this blog or, or podcast or anything, 
but freelancing became something I do because of my blog, freelance writing, freelance web design, and other projects like that that I do on evenings and weekends. And that now makes up about 30% of my income. And that's after I doubled my income by you know advancing my education and my career. So um, from where I actually from where I started working, um, I'm almost making as much online now per year as I did in my first job. But uh, because I make so much more in my regular job, I'm not just going to walk away from that at this point and uh, go online full time. Though, if I really wanted to, I probably could. You know, there, there's a lot of benefits of that lifestyle. At this point for me, there's a lot more benefits to you know, having the, the security and the stability of the day job, but that doesn't mean I can't make a bunch of money on the side. So think about some kind of hobby or um, anything you really like to do that you might be able to turn into some sort of business or people might pay you for. Uh, you know, there's a couple of different ways to do that. So one, uh, you could think about maybe like making a product that you could sell. If you are, let's say you have a, a, you're a photographer, you have a nice camera and you like taking nature pictures and pictures around the city, things that aren't just like, you know, your, your kids and your pets and um, things like that, because no one's going to pay you money for pictures of your dogs. I'm, I'm sorry, guys, even if you think your dogs are cute, no one's really going to pay you for uh, pictures of your dogs. But if you take good nature photos or city scenes or uh, landscapes or things that people might want to buy, you can list those on, there's websites all over the internet that you can list those photos for sale as stock photos. And anytime someone downloads one, they'll have to pay and you will get a portion of that. One example, there's a place called the Envato Marketplace that I've actually created a uh, WordPress plugin. I, I use WordPress a lot. That's how this podcast is getting to you. It's through WordPress. And I've uh, built many WordPress sites for people. And I had one there was some kind of annoyance that there was no way to solve. So I created a WordPress plugin to do that. And I sold it on the Envato marketplace. And I've actually, I paid someone to make the plugin for me and it has sold enough times that it's paid for that cost. So it solved my problem and it has turned into a profit. Uh, but you could do that on that marketplace with either WordPress plugins or WordPress themes. If you are a computer minded person, or um, you could do that with graphics. So if you have any kind of graphic design background, you could create custom graphics and sell on there. Or photography. Or if you are a musician, you can create songs on your, uh, you know, like DJ songs, like boom, 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 like the intro song for this podcast. You can sell those online. Uh, and there, that's just, Envato is just one place you can sell things. There are a ton of places. The reason I mention that is there's a huge built-in audience who will already be searching that site to buy, you know, graphics or music or video clips or stock photography, things like that. So you can build that into a business. And the, uh, the last step would be to have like a service business, like what I've done, where you can take uh, that hobby or skill and teach it to someone else and sell it on your own. So you could, let's say if you're a great photographer, you can maybe make a photography course that you can sell digitally online. There's a, uh, there's a marketplace called Udemy which is like Academy, but for you, so Udemy. And you can create courses and list them on there and people will pay to learn from you as a service and that can create a, you know, a passive recurring income. Or you could build up your own, um, like your own website, you know, like I do, bring on clients and customers you're doing a service for repeatedly. Like um, you could be doing consulting work or 
as I'm doing writing or video production, or you could even you know, find people's kids to tutor. You know, people are willing to pay a lot of money if you are really good at you know, math or science or writing or something like that to help their kids succeed in school and what they're doing. So there's lots of different kinds of businesses that you could create. But what's really cool is imagine doing a little combination of all of those. Like I'm actually developing a course right now on how to make a podcast that I'm going to release on Udemy and my own website. There's two places people could buy that, and that's an income stream. And I'm continuing my freelance writing and other projects, and that's another income stream. And if you add things up over time, that could be a good chunk of change. It could be enough. You could live on that like as your full-time income, or it could do like I'm doing and supplement your income quite a bit and make your, make your life a little better. So the next thing I want to talk about is growing your wealth. As I said, it was when we started off, you can, you, you'll, as you save and spend less and earn more, there's going to be that increasing gap. So that's as, as a business would call it your net income. That's your personal profit that you can do what you want with. And as we grow our personal profitability, we can invest that and grow your wealth. So there's two ways to grow your wealth. One is just by socking away money as fast and as much as you can. So yeah, I'm, all, I'm putting away 6% from every paycheck into my 401k, half of which is matched by my employer. There's 9% of my income going into a 401k. Next, I'm maxing out my own Roth IRA, and so is my wife. So we're each putting away $5,500 a year on top of that, which is another big percent of our income. Then beyond that, I'm actually putting even more money into a savings account and to some taxable investment accounts. They're um, just a stock brokerage account where you can buy and sell stocks or mutual funds. So we're putting money in those as well. And as that balance builds up and we invest, it grows us even more from those investments. So there's you know, the, the two parts of growing your wealth. So number one, putting money away. Number two is growing it through investments. So um, you know, putting money away, we've, I'm not going to beat the dead horse with the stick. We've already talked about it quite a bit here about how to spend mindfully and cut what you're spending, how to grow your income. And as you do that, just keep putting money away. If you don't have one right now, I would highly suggest starting an emergency fund, um, something like maybe, I don't know, $5,000 is what I put away. You might want to put more or less depending on your situation, but enough money to you know, replace or put a big down payment on a car or a car repair if, you're, I don't know, if your transmission goes out next week. Do you have enough money in the bank right now to fix that transmission? Or what if your furnace goes out at home if you're a homeowner? Do you have enough money in the bank to pay for that without putting it on a credit card? You know, credit cards and debt, I haven't talked about much yet. We'll talk about that more in the future. But that is a huge expense and totally goes against spending mindfully because interest costs are huge and add up over time and don't give you any benefit at all. So avoiding putting money on a credit card that you can't pay off in full each month, which you know, I put everything on a credit card and pay it off in full because of the great rewards and benefits. But for th- for that to work, you have to have enough money in the bank right now to pay for all of those expenses that might come up. And I can say comfortably that I do, but I did not always. And it's important for you to put your savings there first and uh, like easy to access bank account, like a savings account or something. From there, you want to look at those investment accounts that I talked about a moment ago, um, the retirement accounts, which have a tax benefit or the 
just regular taxable accounts that you can open through any brokerage. And when you invest there, you want to invest smart for the long term. So for most people, that is investing in um, what Warren Buffett says, uh, S&P 500 index funds is the best way for most new and young investors to invest because there's very low fees. And over time, the market has always gone up, always under any time period. Yeah, there's been those short time periods like in 2008, the market took a big crash. But if you sold then, you would have missed the roller coaster ride back up to just, you know, recently there were week after week after week, we were hitting a new high for the stock market and a new high for the stock market. And if you have an S&P 500 index fund, every time the market hits a new high, your investments hit a new high. And if you do that over decades, you know, the average return is um, something like, I believe from, I'm going off memory right now, something like 7% per year uh, compound annual return on the S&P 500. So if you have $100 put away, you'll make $7 in profit on that every year recurring. So you know the next year you'll make the profit on the $107. So it's more than $7 profit. It grows and again and again and again, it compounds and now that's for every hundred dollars. So if you have a thousand dollars put away instead of making seven dollars, you're going to make seventy. If you have ten thousand dollars, that's seven hundred. Uh, if you have a hundred thousand uh, dollars put away, you know you keep adding zeros to that. That's why it's very important to put so much money away. As we were talking about, you want to sock that money away as fast as you can so it can grow over time. And eventually, that seven percent, maybe rather than reinvesting, you take that out, and that's your your cash flow to live on. That's your as your personal profitability project coming to conclusion that you can live on all those profits that you generated over your life. So investing is very important and there's lots of ways to do it. Um, you can read more about that on the, the blog at narrowbridgefinance.com or uh, just keep listening to future episodes because I will definitely get into a lot more on you know, all of these topics, but a lot about investing for sure. Um, that's my background you now, like a finance guy. Here's a, here's a, cho- a toast to your investments. Uh, Cheers. Uh, May they always be successful and rising. Uh, So the last big topic I want to hit on before we wrap it up for the day is um, the last of the personal profitability pillars, and that's living better. And that's that's the whole reason that we're doing all of this, um, putting in any work to save money and sock that away and invest it and grow it. What's the point of having more money? I mean, I think anyone could turn on TV huh? and uh, look and see what rich people do with their money. But you know, we, we're not in this to get rich. We're in this to get wealthy. And wealth is different than riches because if you win the Powerball and you blow all that money, that was being rich and foolish. If you save and grow your wealth over time, you'll become wealthy and live a richer life. And you don't have to have you know, $10 million in the bank to, to live a rich life. I am um, right now. I, I have enough miles saved up through things that I've done that I have um, a trip that I'm working on planning to go to Spain next year with my wife and fly business class round trip for both of us have this great trip ahead of us. You know, you don't have to be a millionaire to do that trip. I'm not a millionaire. I don't have all that money put away in the bank that I could pay for that trip. Just I mean, I could pay for this one out of pocket, but I couldn't do it many times over. But through thoughtful planning and whatnot, I've been able to arrange a way to 
do the travels I want and live this rich life. And, you know, my, my wife right now is uh, on a plane on the way back from Los Angeles visiting family, you know, if being with family and friends, you know, that's, it's just such an important thing for, for all of us that it makes our life so much better. So whether your priorities are, are traveling or whatnot, you know, it's, it's about living and uh, getting the experiences you want. You know, I've been to concerts and I've gone on trips with friends and I, I was with a friend this morning. We were talking about a trip we took to Seattle together. It was just such a great memory, a great experience. Just And that was not even that expensive of a trip. Just a weekend away, I shared a hotel room with two guys, uh, the, the three of us, my old roommates. It, it just it makes me happy to look back on those memories or thinking back to a concert I went to in high school with a friend that you know, I paid for with my own money that I'd, I'd worked hard to earn. Or, um, you know, and, uh, there's so many experiences in life. And, you know, if you're into live music or if you're into... I can travel is just something that's it's huge in my life and a big priority. And whatever you want to do, it's you should be able to do it. And barring the thing you're wanting to do, being flying around in private jets or million dollar sports cars, you know, there's no reason money should get in the way of you living your dreams. There are always ways to make the things you want to do attainable and affordable and and part of your life. You know, you don't have to wait. Um, you have to work for you know, 40 years until you're into your 60s or 70s for retirement to enjoy your life. You should be able to enjoy it while you're young and you're able to do the things that you want to do. And you know, that, that's, you know, that's the whole point of all of this. That's what personal profitability is all about and um, why I'm trying to share that idea and spread it with all of you because I do try every single day to live a rich life and it would be my greatest pleasure and my greatest dream if we could all do that together as part of the personal profitability project. So thank you, everyone. That is all I have today for the very first episode. If you're not already, I wanted to share a couple of things with you. First, I have an email list that you should definitely be a part of if you're not already. On that email list, uh, you can sign up and join the first seven days of the personal profitability project that I call the Personal Profitability Bootcamp. And that comes if you sign up for the email list, you get a free personal profitability playbook. It's a piece that I put together that will help get you through the beginning steps of your personal profitability project. And uh, the boot camp is a video series for a week. You'll get a, a new video every day that will take you through everything that you need to, again, to get started. This is the beginning of it. Later on, there will be a course you'll be able to buy that will take you the whole way through it in a ton of actionable detail, but I will never charge for this podcast and I will never charge for the email list and I will never charge for the Narrowbridge Finance blog. That is always going to be free to all of you and you can support me by buying that product or clicking through um, any purchase you make on the links on my website. Some of those I get a little commission if you buy through again, you don't have to, but if you do, it helps uh, you know, keep this pirate ship afloat <laughs> as they like to say. And thank you. Please, please, if you enjoyed this, give me a good rating and, and share it with a friend. If not, I won't hold it against you. But I, I love you anyway for uh, for listening to this point. So here's a last cheers for the very first episode of the Personal Profitability Podcast. 
Well, there we go. We went back over the four pillars of personal profitability that led me and guided me as I started this blog and podcast and this new phase of my journey. I'm really excited because next month in October, personal profitability turns 10 years old. I know my mind is blown by how crazy that is that I've been doing this so long. I had no idea when I got started all those years ago, my little personal finance blog would turn into a full-time career and full-time six-figure income that I'm so proud of today. So thank you everyone for listening to this one and going back to where we all started on the Personal Profitability Podcast. It's great to have you here and part of my community. In the Jewish world, we say Lishana Tova. That's how we say Happy New Year. So if you're Jewish, Lishana Tova. If not, I hope you enjoyed this revisit to episode one. Thanks for sticking around till the end. And until next time, stay profitable.